Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Tim Tedder. And Tim is a therapist and author with a primary focus on helping individuals and couples heal from the wounds of infidelity. Through his counseling services in Orlando, Florida, and the resources provided on AffairHealing.com, Tim assists individuals and couples in their exploration of insights and changes that lead them towards healing. And now this is going to be an interesting conversation. We're going to get into the mind of a betrayer, someone who shocked himself by his own behavior, but learned some incredibly valuable lessons as a result. You're going to really want to listen fully and closely to this conversation because you'll have such a better understanding around why someone betrays. And while it may seem and feel like it's because of you, it's not. Here's Tim. So hi, everybody. Uh, This is an interesting um, conversation we're going to have because I have Tim Tedder with us. And and, uh, first of all, I want you to know how much I appreciate him for being on this show because he's going to share uh, what it's like from the betrayer's standpoint. And uh, and hopefully that's going to, it's going to just really have us see and, he, and hear and understand what really is involved in betrayal. So before we get going anymore, welcome, Tim, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Debbie. It's good to be here. Yeah. So for those of us who have been betrayed, there is so much heartbreak. There's mm-hmm. so much pain. There's so much trust that was lost. Let's just, I, I just want to broadly open that up. What what happens with a betrayal uh, from your perspective? What did yeah, well, see? let me tell my story, at least a brief, abbreviated version of it, sure. because I realize that not every betrayal story is my story. But I also have realized in the years since that there's a lot in common with what I experienced in regards to what other couples and what other men and women go through as well. But in a nutshell, I was married for over 16 years. I'd never had an affair. Always thought I'd be that guy that would never do that. If you'd approached me a couple months before my affair started and said, hey, I've seen into the future. You're going to cheat on your wife. I would have said there's no way that's going to happen. There have been opportunities before and I have just refused to go through it. So that's not me. And yet in the moment when I began crossing lines and making compromises, I mean, seemed effortless. I fell so quickly into it and made one choice after another. And uh, the affair went on secretly for maybe a month and a half, two months before it was found out. Mm -hmm. Um, I lied about things at first and then gave full confession, fully intending to want to fix my marriage. But things were so messed up. And part of the problem was I don't think we had the right kind of help that we needed at the time. But my heart and my mind weren't in the right place either. Um, My wife and I struggled with trying to fix things and repair things. It went badly. Eventually, I left and went back to the affair. That went in and out for the next year and a half before I ended that. But by then, my wife had filed for divorce. Our marriage ended as well. So you know, all of that kind of fell apart. I wish I could say that I came to my senses quickly. I wish I wish that had happened before I had the affair. I wish it had happened when the affair got found out. I wish it had happened, you know, when both relationships ended. I think the truth is 
the parts of me that were messed up, the parts of me that really needed to be addressed still hadn't been my focus, hadn't been addressed yet. And so for the next few years, I kind of floundered in the same kind of brokenness, making bad choices, pursuing relationships out of that wrong mindset, seeing predictable ends to that until through a series of events, I came to the place of really being honest with the mess I'd made, not only of my life, but my wife and my children and the way I'd caused pain to the people I was supposed to love. And it was the beginning of a search for understanding and answers and the beginning of change in my life. After that, I kind of was in tune with other men that I saw going through the same thing and sometimes other couples experiencing similar stories and circumstances. And so I would be free to share my experience with them and try to encourage them in healthy choices. And eventually the friends and people around me said, hey, maybe that's what you should do. Maybe you should be a counselor so you can help other people you know, Mm -hmm, get through things mm -hmm. in a way differently than you did. So lo and behold, here I am, you know, started a counseling practice, created a fairhealing.com. And uh, that's my passion now is to help couples and individuals avoid some of the regrets on the other side of affair choices. And thank you, Tim. And maybe that's the reason why you went through it. Who knows? When you, when you think back to who you were, Back then, because I know there are women listening who are saying, but but he was he's so different now. Is it really possible to have just it's like a completely different mindset as the man who was doing that to who you are now? Who were you back then? Well, I I was. You know, essentially who people thought I was. I mean, I, I I was a man who was committed to my marriage and my family. I loved my wife and I loved my children. Uh, I didn't, it wasn't a Jekyll and Hyde type of thing, but here's what I can say, because I know it can be confusing. I see it all the time with betrayed, you know, wives. I know you work, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with women, Mm -hmm. wives come in and saying, I thought I knew my husband. Mm -hmm. And yet this is such a different side of it. And not only does he seem different, the way he's talking about the experience of our marriage, the way he's telling our marriage story Mm -hmm. is so different from how I've experienced it, what I thought he believed about us. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it, from the outside perspective, from my wife's perspective, from the people that were close to us, it was a sudden change. I think for me, the truer statement would be, that over the years, I began shifting the story of my marriage in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I dated my wife four years before we got married. We knew each other pretty well. I was in love with her. The beginning of our marriage was wonderful. But, you know, you hit those familiar disappointments, disagreements. Mm-hmm. And my stuff, that's when it came out. And I tend to distance. I tend to close off. I tend to refuse to be vulnerable. I didn't really understand intimacy. The way I would begin to explain that in my mind was the fault of my wife or the fault of my marriage. And over time, I started having these private conversations that became very critical of my wife. And I began to look at my marriage as, you know, maybe it wasn't the best choice I could have made. But, you know, I made a commitment for life. Let's make the best of it we can. But this inner dialogue that began shifting the story to one that was more negative and more critical and imagining the possibilities of, oh, the what ifs, you know, what if I had the chance to do this all over again? Mm. And sometimes even seeing other women that I would say, oh, 
if I had the chance to pursue a relationship with that, I bet we would be a better, you know, couple because we just seem to be more in sync. And I, I wouldn't pursue it. I didn't say mm-hmm. or do anything inappropriate. But in my mind, I was creating this space for the possibility. Instead of stepping into my marriage in an honest and vulnerable way and saying, hey, I, I, we need to work on this and I need to work on this. Right. It, a shift in and my- it's, it's so interesting because I'm, I'm listening to you. And when you said you were shifting the story, so it sounds like there was, there were, there were challenges coming up that could have been uh, just issues that needed to be worked on, but shifting the story was, was it, it and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what it sounds like from what you're saying made it that it was, let's say her and issues that your wife needed to work on so that, it would, you, you, things would, let's say, look different or be different, but it's in that shifting of the story where the, where the, the responsibility went from, let's say you to her. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it, it left me off the hook. You know, I didn't have to really address those parts of me that I needed to be more honest about. Why, when my wife came to me wanting, you know, closer connection and affection and so forth, would I shut down? And let me be very clear at the beginning of our relationship, I was all in and I was romantic and that wasn't fake. I didn't have Mm -hmm. to manufacture that. That came from a real place in Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. But when the reality of living with someone day in and day out, the reality of that relationship started hitting the road bumps that every relationship and marriage faces. Mm -hmm. That capacity in me to step into that vulnerable space and, and work through change I just, you know, I would shut down and I would say, well, you're the one that needs to change. Don't mm-hmm. expect anything different from me. And and I and I want to stop you right there because this is a challenge that so many, uh, and I'm sure men face too, I deal mostly with women, where they're just taking it all on as if it's them. Like if I only uh, was more, if I were only more emotionally available, if I only lost that weight, if I only did whatever, and it's, they take it all on assuming complete responsibility uh, because they, they just assume that they weren't enough. They weren't enough. And that's why, because, you know, if they were enough, why would, why would their, their partner look elsewhere? So um, you're saying that, that it's, it, it, it's very likely that a lot of this has to do with things that you weren't looking at. You put it on your wife and I, I just want to make so many of the, of the, yeah, no, I, no, I get what you're saying. And I, I'm, I'm very clear when I look back at the things I said and did to my wife back then, mm. I mean, I cringe and she and I over the past years have had conversation about this and there's been healing and repair. And she's heard me say things that she needed to hear me say 20 plus years mm-hmm, ago and didn't mm-hmm. hear me say those things. But yes, it, it, it was me. I mean, not that she was perfect and I was all bad. Everybody has their stuff. Sure. But my inability to really see my need for change and my inability to see the ways in which I was damaging the kind of connection and intimacy that even I longed for in my marriage mm-hmm. and instead putting the blame on her was undeserved. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I wish more wives could hear that with greater clarity sooner. Some never hear it. Mm-hmm. Some it takes too long to get there and a lot of damage is done along the way, but you're absolutely right. It wasn't her fault. It was mine. If I could understand back then what I understand now, I think the capacity to step back into a marriage and to make us work, I think there's a good probability of that. Not that 
I would be the only one that ha- would have to do all the work in that, mm-hmm. but I could accept, wait, this is, this is what I, this, I'm, I'm sorry, this is what I've done. And I could create a context in which I could be honest with her about the things in our marriage that I wanted to work on with her. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, I just took a safe selfish way. And, and I want to say, it wasn't just one day I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a leap. I mean, I think it was the series of compromises in the way that I was thinking, and that it was a series of compromises in behavior that quickly one led to another. And it was one step of compromise and the justifications that I would make in my own head to why that's not so bad that would lead to the next compromise. Mm-hmm. And then my justifications, oh, I guess that wasn't so bad. And by the time, you know, you have a full-blown affair where I'm emotionally and sexually involved with another woman, you look back and go, wow, how did I get here? Well, it was a series of steps and compromises. By the way, there's a great book. The title of the book is Mistakes Were Made, But Not By Me. It's not Hmm. just about affairs. I think there's a chapter on affairs, but it's about the way that we tend to self-justify and reach very different conclusions than one we might have had months or years before. And people on the outside scratch their heads going, is that the same person? Yeah, well, and, and that's what I want to bring up because you you seem to see it so clearly. And I know there are people listening who say, well, you know what, but how do I how do I trust in that person again? Because they look the same physically, they, you know, they they look the same. How do I know that they're not that same person who would do those same things? What do you offer to someone like that? Well, it will take time. You don't have that significant breaking of trust and expect an immediate retrusting again. Mm -hmm. Although I think a lot of betrayers expect that, Mm -hmm. hey, I've admitted I was wrong. Just get over it and let's move on. It Mm -hmm. doesn't happen Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. That severity of trust, that trauma of betrayal takes a significant time for healing, Mm -hmm. but the change should be evident in the heart of the betrayer that has legitimately shifted and changed. And it's not just the admission, I did a bad thing and I promise I'll never do it again because they made promises before that they broke. Mm -hmm. The evidence is going to be if they have really been honest about their part in this and and are curious about understanding, wait, how did I get to this point? Because I never want to do this again. I want to trust myself again. So what do I need to understand? How do I need to change? How do I need to grow? That will be a process that will take them time. I I will spend a lifetime learning how to do this better. Mm. But to the one who's been betrayed, that shift will be evident over time. That will be the evidence of trusting. When you see a betrayer who accepts the full responsibility for what they've done, done, You see that display of deep, lasting sorrow and regret, you know, I mean, that's that's heart deep. And you see them set on a deliberate course of change. They're they're not going to be perfect in it. You know, we all stumble and go back, default back to our old Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. But they come back to the table and say, no, I'm, I'm committed to doing this. And that, when you see that happening consistently, then trust the foundation of the relationship begins to be reestablished. And the relationship will be different, of course, too. Well, you know, and I always, I, I do talk about uh, death and rebirth and and to rebuild that relationship, it takes truly the death of the relationship that you had. Because mm-hmm. if if the betrayer is going to be different and we're going to believe that the betrayer is different, then the betrayed must be different too. So whatever you were accepting and, and being okay with in the past, uh, that can't, 
that just can no longer be just as the behaviors of the betrayer can no longer be. So no, every, everybody and everything has to change in some ways. Of course, the betrayer has to go through some profound shifts, but also the one who's betrayed is going to learn from this process. They are going to have to change in ways as well, if nothing else, dealing with what it means to forgive and offer grace if the relationship is going to continue, if the marriage is going to heal. Uh, sometimes the choice is out of a marriage, and sometimes that's the best choice. But everyone is affected by this. And if a couple is going to work on their marriage, then you're right. The marriage is going to be significantly different past the affair than what it was before. It may be better, it may be worse, but why not make it better? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now I'm sure there are a lot of people, again, a lot of people listening who who say, well, my, you know, my, let's just say my husband, my husband betrayed me, but he swears he's never doing it again. And, and he does. So, but here you're saying you're living proof of someone who absolutely learned from it and you grew and you would never make those decisions again. And then there are the, the you know, the, the people who they just... They maybe a slap on the wrist or whatever it was, and they say, "Okay, well, you know what? Until another opportunity comes along, I'll say I'm not doing it again." How how does because trust is what's affected with that person who's been betrayed? How does that that person who's been betrayed strengthen their I call it BS meter so they know who is someone like you and who is someone who is just waiting for the next opportunity? Well, let, let me clarify one thing, uh, mm -hmm. because after my affair, I did not immediately, you know, have this insight and breakthrough and, oh, I need to figure stuff out. I mean, as I mentioned before, I, in the following years, the way I pursued relationships with a desire to be truly connected to someone, it was still coming out of that part of me that I had not honestly dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so I experienced a series of relationships it started out with great expectation, but I started experiencing the predictable outcome. I mean, mm -hmm, I say, wait, there's mm -hmm. a pattern here, and I'm the common denominator, and there's something about me I need to figure out. And that was the beginning of really being serious about figuring my own stuff out. Your question, how does someone that's, you know, when you're looking for a partner, how do you find someone that you can depend and trust on and, and, have some sense of certainty that that's never going to be part of my marriage story. There won't be an affair that's part of it. I, I don't, I don't believe that's possible to be honest with you. I, I mean, again, I, I think I myself and anybody that knew me well probably would have said, well, Tim's, you know, one of the last people that would ever have an affair. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're on those, by those outside measures, unless you're a counselor that had really talked to me and saw my stuff, mm -hmm. by the outside normal measures, I, I don't know that that could have been predicted, especially at the beginning of the relationship. Now, over time in our marriage, I do think that there were the signs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that disconnection that we had, the normal that became part of our marriage where, you know, we just accepted well, I guess is this the, our lot in life? Uh, let's make it as good as we can for the sake of the kids, and we'll have moments when it feels better, but other times when it's not so good. And I don't think either me or my wife really felt that our marriage was everything that you know we wanted mm -hmm. to be. I'm not talking about a picture of perfection. I'm just saying there should be a level of connection and satisfaction, and we're a team working on this together that had been lost along the way, and it just wasn't addressed. Right. Right. So give us, a, if you can, uh, some scenarios of, of 
clients who you've worked with where you've seen maybe some of the different outcomes where there was, let's say, a willingness to really confront whatever it was that they weren't willing to look at and they changed and maybe worked through. And then other couples who, for whatever reason, absolutely couldn't get past it. I, I'd love to know what, you, what you've seen. Yeah, not every outcome is an outcome in which the marriage, you know, heals or the relationship heals. Not every outcome should be that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we call our work a fair healing because sometimes the healing is an individual healing in which the relationship or marriage ends. Sometimes the healing is one in which there is a renewal of the marriage, a change in the marriage, and it really does move on to be something, you know, extremely satisfying and most couples who experience that would say it's very different. And although we would never want someone to experience an affair, we're very thankful for what it caused in our life because of the choices we made afterwards. Uh, I, I would say if, if you're listening to this and you're a betrayed uh, wife, let's, let's look at that category, or a betrayed woman in a, in a committed relationship, and there's been a betrayal, there's been an affair, and you're wondering, what is it that I should look for to really have, because I mean, I, how do I trust again? I thought I could trust this person the first time around. What do I look for to believe that my trust is reasonable this time around? First of all, there should be a very clear commitment by the betrayer that they want you and this marriage, they're not confused about it. They're not, well, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. There should be a very clear declaration. Listen, I, I, I blew it, but I know I'm single-minded in my intent to love you and to keep our relationship. And there should also be a very clear acceptance of their responsibility in doing the repair and restoring the trust that's been broken. It has to be their work to do that. Mm -hmm. And so many times I see on the other side of betrayal, the betrayer say, yep, you caught me, sorry, move on, but don't expect change. In fact, if mm -hmm. you keep you know, coming at me and expecting something different and you need things from me so that you can heal, you are too needy and you're, you're the one that's at fault in messing up our marriage now. Well, that's just, that, that's just, indication that they haven't done the work or not willing to begin doing the work that they need to do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, honestly, if I could pick one thing that I'd look to most, either in a relationship that hasn't experienced an affair or one afterwards, is to what degree is your partner willing to enter that space of vulnerability with you to really work on their stuff and to help you work on your stuff? Mm -hmm. And the key word that you're saying that just keeps popping up for me is a willingness. And this is a willingness on, on both sides. It's a willingness to, it, to me. It's a willingness to see as the betrayer what they've done, the damage they've caused, and the willingness to right the wrong with, with their partner and with anybody else who's been affected because of it. And on the betrayed side, it's a willingness to at least open up their mind to the possibility that this person uh, made these choices, but can actually change. And they woke up just as the betrayed woke up, they woke up as well. Yeah, I nobody could have made me change on the other side of my affair. Mm -hmm. uh, no nobody could step in with a reasonable enough argument, although 
I, I was known as a very rational person, you know, a very logical person. I was known as someone who was committed to, you should live an authentic life. I mean, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And yet on the other side of my failure, on the other side of my betrayal, nobody was effective at coming in and giving me the strong enough argument to just make me clear-headed and be 100% passionate about rebuilding my marriage. In fact, I think the stronger the people tried to persuade me, the more defensive internally I became. And certainly the last person I wanted to listen to was my wife, Mm -hmm. uh, because that not only tapped into my defensiveness, but also tapped into my shame in a lot of ways. And so I'd want to say to those who have experienced betrayal, you know, especially if you're kind of in that iffy stage, are we going to survive this or not? Realize you do not have responsibilities to change your betrayer. You do have the responsibility to be honest with them, to let them give them some sense of the pain, let them see all of that. And if you're willing to say, listen, I'm leaving the door open to the possibility of this marriage being fixed. Mm. But you have to join me there. And there's work in that that only you can do. So I'm leaving the door open, but you have to make your decision. In the meantime, I need to focus on my own healing, my own transformation. And if you join me in that story, great. If you can't or won't, then probably my healing, my transformation will lead me out of this relationship. Mm-hmm. And, but, and that's that's wonderful. And, and Tim, I want to get into, because I know everybody wants to get into the, the mind of the betrayer, so we're going to use you as an example for this. <laughs> when you... when when you had a, your willingness, because you're absolutely right, the, the betrayed has to make that decision and do their own healing and do their own work. And, but you certainly had this willingness to change. Do you remember what it was? Because you said there was really no outside influence. Do you remember really what the willingness was on your part? Was there something that you, you realized that you woke up to, that you thought that you felt, what was it that made you say, made you say, you know what, I, I want to be different. Yeah, I, I think underlying it all was the fact that at the heart of me, there were values that I could never let go of. Values like trustworthiness and authenticity. And of course, people looking at the choices I made could scoff at that and say, yeah, those those must not have been very strong. And yet I knew that at the core of me, those were still important to me. And the lose, the loss of those things was a tremendous weight to me. But I, I would try to ignore that the best I could, especially you know in the affair and soon after, because that's very painful. But still, that was an underlying thing. And the reason I state it is because I think it's very different for someone who has a pattern of dishonesty, who through their whole lives has have, have been unfaithful, you know, lies and cheats and so forth. That's going to be very different from them. But I had that value, that characteristic that was still underlying. Additionally, uh, I had uh, a feeling of responsibility and beyond that uh, feeling of love for especially my children. Mm-hmm. I could that I could latch onto that more easily than I could latch onto the love I had for my wife because I there was too much criticism, history of criticism and mm-hmm. blaming her that I had to work through. But my children were fairly innocent in that, so that that moved me quite a bit. I think I became a little bit curious about, you know, wanting to understand my part in this. So I began to read, I began to listen. Anything that I heard that kind of spoke to this, I'd latch on to it. Sometimes watching a movie and something would mm-hmm. stand out to me. And all of that over time just contributed to this 
beginning to change in my thinking. But I'll tell you the one thing, the moment of breaking was going to my oldest daughter's, uh, I think it was a, her high school graduation party. Now this was following, we'd already been divorced, um, but I was still kind of floundering in my behavior and in my thinking. And I went back to this event that early in my marriage and early as a father, you have these dreams of what that experience is going to be like. You know, those major events in your children's life, they're going to school, their graduations, driving a car, getting married. And, you know, you imagine what that's going to be like. But I went to my daughter's high school graduation. I was the creative one in our family. I used to plan those events and be really good at it. But when I contacted my ex-wife and say, hey, what can I do to help with, out with this? She said, well, you can bring the potato chips. Mm. Okay, well, <laughs> that's a different role, but I will accept that. And I went to that event surrounded by people who knew me, knew our story, feeling the shame of that. But more importantly, just being so aware of the difference of what my life and experience and our family had become from that initial vision and dream and hope that I had. And I think that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. because some, somewhere that night when I was sleeping, um, and I don't even I don't know if it came out in a dream or whatever, all I know is I woke up, I woke myself up sobbing. I mean, I started sobbing in my sleep and I woke up and I've never, I mean, I've experienced grief before, I've experienced the loss of a child. That was a tremendous grief of its own kind. But this thing, I woke up sobbing and I could not catch my breath or talk for nearly an hour. And there was just this new awareness of what my life had become and the wrong that I had done. And when I could speak, the first person I called was my ex-wife to say, listen, I've told you I'm sorry before, but you hear, need to hear it coming from a different place. You know, the question you ask is, how does a person come to that place? I know the betrayed partners, betrayed spouses, wish they could find that switch. They could you know, turn that on quickly mm -hmm. in the life of their betrayer. It's not that easy. It's a little bit more complicated than that. I will tell you, you can't, again, you can't, you can't try to force that on someone, but you can create a context, I believe, in which that is encouraged. Simply by being honest, by being vulnerable, if you're choosing to still hope for your marriage or relationship, by growing and working on your own healing and transformation, and let that being a mirror to your spouse of the things that they need to do, and encouraging them to get help. I wish I'd had better help. That's why I'm a counselor now. I want to be that person that can step into a person's life and help make sense of things before they experience the regret that I did. I don't think the people that stepped into our life and the help that we got were helpful in some ways. I think it was more detrimental to us. Mm -hmm. So I think people like you, people like me are an important part of that process to help facilitate maybe a quicker thinking and an understanding. And I do have betrayed men and women mm -hmm. that call and say, I'm stuck. I feel like something needs to shift and change, but I don't know how to do it. And so, you know, we can start working on that process. Oh, Tim, I so appreciate your your honesty, your vulnerability, and, and your willingness. I hear it. I hear it in your heart, your willingness to help others. What do you want to make sure everyone knows before we wrap up? That there is hope for healing. And that healing may be in your relationship or out of your relationship. That it's going to be obviously extremely difficult after the trauma of betrayal. There's no shortcut to the pain and difficulty you have to work through, mm -hmm. but it's not just, you know, this artificial happy hopefulness to say mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what it 
can produce in you. The transformation that you talk about and help women towards is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Not everybody will experience it, but if you want to experience it, you can experience it. It's Mm -hmm. continuing to focus and moving on that change, understanding the things in you that need to shift and keep moving towards that. And if you are with a partner who has betrayed you, and listen, I've heard some horrendous stories and there are plenty of marriages that don't make it. And again, some should not make it Mm -hmm. because the, the shifts haven't happened. But you know, I, I, one of the most profound stories is a couple that came in. This is about seven years ago. Late 20s, during the course of their marriage, he'd cheated on her more than 30 times. Oh and she didn't gosh. know about it. Mm-hmm. And you listen to that story as he starts making his confession and telling her the truth of these things and the hurt and the pain and the brokenness mm-hmm. in her. I mean, from an outward perspective, you'd say, well, this is a marriage that definitely probably has very little chance of making it. Mm-hmm. They are a couple now they, who tell their own story and they tell it openly. And they say, yeah, I mean, we struggle like any other couple, mm-hmm. but trust has been restored. Our relationship has changed and they have committed themselves to just being honest with their story so they can encourage other people and other couples to move so- towards the same thing. So it's possible in the worst mm-hmm. situations, it can be possible, but it takes both people, both partners willing to do that. Oh, Tim, thank you for the work you do. I'll I'll work with the betrayed. You work with the betrayer and we can heal the planet. <laughs> there we go. How do we learn more about you? Where do we go? Affairhealing.com. And if your listeners want to go to affairhealing.com slash breakthrough, I'll be posting some things on that page, especially for them. Oh, Tim, thank you so much. You helped so many people with your own story and and now because of that with the work you're doing. So again, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you're doing just to to help couples rebuild or to help uh, the the person who's been hurt move on and and the the person who's done the hurt move on Mm -hmm. as well and become stronger, healthier, happier, and whole. Thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. I'm so grateful for Tim sharing his experience and wisdom. And for those who've been betrayed, I hope you have a bit more peace that your partner's decision, although it really felt like it, it wasn't really about you. I also appreciate Tim sharing what makes a betrayer more likely to change and what it looks like, as opposed to someone who really has no intention of doing the work to change their behavior. Stay in touch with Tim by going to affairhealing.com and we'll have all of Tim's information in the show notes over at PB institute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. As possible as it is for the betrayed to change, it's equally as possible for the betrayer to change too. As long as they're willing to do the work, commit to the relationship and honor how long it'll take the betrayed to heal, rebuilding may be an option in some cases and in others, the betrayed can still certainly heal, becoming stronger, wiser and better for whatever it is they're ready for next. But that doesn't mean that betrayal doesn't leave some physical, mental and emotional challenges in its wake. It does. So get a baseline of what symptoms you may be struggling with by taking the post-betrayal syndrome quiz at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.